You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. We are almost out of the offseason, which means you're going to have up to five shows a week. But right now we're giving you three solid episodes every single week this summer, which are going to be always good and insightful. I've got my guy Tyler Aki here today from Locked on Syracuse. We're going to talk about all things ACC Big Ten basketball challenge, men's basketball hoops challenge for that matter. And we're going to even end with some Syracuse women's basketball talk today. Got a lot going on over there. So no, we got to bring on our expert, Tyler, to the stage. I hope, Tyler, you've had a great week so far. It's been wet outside. I mean, there's <laughs> been like flash floods, tornadoes, all that stuff. Nothing like the Midwest. Listen, we love the the either it's going to be really nice weather or you're going to get like the windy, rainy, like just just figure out one. I'm cool with either, but just figure out one. Yep. It's no Carolina. That's for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Well, this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Make sure you guys head up rockauto.com for all your car and service needs. Listen, the matchups for the 2021 Big Ten ACC Challenge for men's basketball are finalized. We've got this 23rd annual event, four big, 14 Big Ten teams and 14 ACC teams in competition for the Commissioner's Cup, which is scheduled for Monday, November the 29th through Wednesday, December 1st. All 14 games will air on ESPN's networks and will be available to stream via the ESPN app. So we're going to go over the Monday and Tuesday games a little bit right now. Then we're going to tell you about the Wednesday game. So much good action. And finally, we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not AC can come out on top for this challenge. Challenge, or will they be sitting in some head scratching moments? So, Tyler, let's get into these Monday games, right? You've got Iowa at Virginia and Notre Dame at Illinois. So, starting out with Iowa at Virginia, Iowa being 22 and 9, third in the Big Ten. They got, they lost. Uh, Luca Garza and Joey's camp. They're going, guys are going to go to the league. And then you got Virginia over here trying to find its way. They finished first in the ACC last season after finishing 18 and seven. Trey Murphy, however, decided he was not going to return and stay in the draft. We got uh, Jay Huff and Sam Hauser also taking their talents elsewhere. So to me, this should be a pretty good game out the gate for this challenge. So I kind of liken this. You've got Jordan Bohannon on one side and Kihei Clark on the other side. And it's mm-hmm. almost like they're each in their own version of the Will Smith meme at the, at the <laughs> end of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where they're in the empty room because mm-hmm. you're not going to know a lot of the teammates that they're playing with this upcoming season. Like you mentioned, it's been a pretty much mass exodus out of Iowa with all these players graduating. Mm-hmm. And then with Virginia, it's a lot of players graduating, transferring. Now, I do think Virginia is in a much better spot than Iowa in this mm-hmm. game because they're bringing in some really good transfers, including one of the more underrated transfers in Jaden Gardner. He's coming okay. from ECU. He's a guy who's averaged upper teens pretty much every single season of his college career. And we've seen some ECU guys pop over the past couple of seasons when they come to the ACC. One that comes to mind for me, Elijah Hughes, he transferred from East Carolina. Then he goes to Syracuse and now he's in the league with the Utah jazz. So mm-hmm. We have seen some ECU guys have some success. I think this one could get a little ugly. I think this could be a a very Virginia dominant game. And the the coaching matchup definitely favors Tony Bennett as well. 
Now, do you think from a Luca Garza standpoint, I personally saw him play, right? He dominated Carolina in their game, whatever, what have you. But I still didn't think that he was what everyone talked him up to be. And this is just my little aside. It has nothing to do with this current ACC Big Ten challenge. But I would love to hear I think we need a Big Ten Ben on here. We do. He will not stand for any of this Big Ten slander that you're tossing his way. Listen, I've been on Locked On Hawkeyes. I have talked about it. And listen, I just, I don't see what everyone else sees. I think he's big. Big and tall, and maybe that's all. He has moments. He has flashes, but I just, I don't, I'm not buying it yet. He plays harder than everyone else on the floor. <laughs> yes. I'll give him that. And listen, I'm with you uh, to a degree. Listen, I think he is the, he is the national player of the year. Mm-hmm. And even though I was still kind of team Io DeSumo last year, because it felt like Luca Garza sometimes it, it didn't feel like he was, I, I don't want to say the reason, but one of his biggest flaws was his defense. And one mm-hmm. of the big reasons why Iowa struggled was defense. So when you are contributing to your team's biggest flaw, I think there's something to be said. Meanwhile, you got a guy like Io who, okay, maybe he doesn't have the gaudy stats that puts games away, but he's the killer who wins the games for you at the end. And that's yeah. why I was always team Io over team, uh, team Luca for the player of the year. But again, it, you're talking about two of the best players in the entire country. I don't think Luca's going to be anything special at the next level. He feels like one of those guys who he had a nice college career, but mm-hmm. he'll go overseas, make a lot of money overseas, but college is going to be the peak of his fame and, and basketball career. It might be a Tyler Hansborough situation where he was the guy yeah. in college basketball, but then you get to this different league and things just transition. He doesn't really find his place. But speaking of Io, we've got Notre Dame at Illinois, you know, Notre Dame sitting at 11, 11 and 15 last season, Illinois, 24 and seven, Mike Bray, does he feel to you? Like he kind of has a forever job with Notre Dame only because I mean, we all, we care only, but so much about Notre Dame basketball. So, and he's a lovable guy. He brings them in good moments. Sometimes they were at, they were at a point of being you know, ACC in the top of the ACC. So to me, he's just like, he's big chilling, you know, Illinois, on the other hand, they're making some changes again, Don Sumu being gone is going to be very interesting for them, but they really had a strong showing last year. I, I find this matchup pretty intriguing and Hmm. I don't like the matchup. I don't think that Illinois deserved Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's going to be better. Illinois is probably going to be a little bit worse. I don't think Illinois is the worst team in the Big Ten. I think they're they're closer to the middle though than they are to the top. And okay. I, I, I Notre Dame is bringing in a number of transfers, notably mm-hmm. Paul Atkinson from Yale, who sat out the entire last season. And I'm wondering, okay, what is Notre Dame going to be? Because like you said, like Mike Bray's chilling. All right. I always <laughs> say he's got the cushiest job in yeah. the entire ACC because you don't have to worry about it because of the fact that you've got football. Everyone yeah. cares about football. And I know you could probably say the same thing about Brad Brownell at Clemson, but it feels a little different at Notre Dame too, because if you can't compete in recruiting, you can always lean on, Oh, well, academic standards, this and academic standards that. Mm -hmm. So I, I I think Mike Bray is a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm a little surprised he didn't get more consideration for the Duke job, Mm. but at the same time, 
I don't think that either of these teams are going to be overly special this year. I think there's some special players in this matchup. Like Andre Curbelo on the Illinois side is fantastic, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm not, th- this one doesn't get my radar going. I, like I'll watch cause I love college <laughs> basketball, but I, if I have to to run to the grocery store during the first half, I'm not going to be too upset about it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So we're giving Virginia the first one and we're going to get Notre Dame the second one. Um, I don't know if I'm going to give that. That's a toss up <laughs> game. I, it's at Illinois. And yeah. I I like to lean with the home teams, especially in the, in the challenge. I think I don't have the records in front of me, but yeah. it feels like the home teams are really, really good in this challenge. So I'm, I'm going to lean Illinois actually. Okay. Okay. We got a little one on one to one action. So then we hop to Tuesday, right? And Clemson is going to Rutgers. Duke will be at Ohio state. Florida State will be at Purdue, Minnesota at Pitt, Indiana at Syracuse, and Northwestern at Wake Forest. And I think one of the most interesting ones will be Wake Forest and Northwestern. And I'm going to tell you why. I think Wake Forest's record of 6-16 and 16 was such a lie. It's very misleading. People assume like, oh, Wake Ooh, Forest okay. is the usual horrible team. They were in a lot of games. They have a new coach, a new system. They're trying to find their way. I think that they're the team that everyone's going to be sleeping on this season, and they're going to be a lot better than we assume. I'm cool. I I like the Wake Forest (laughs) analysis there. And I like that you're pointing them out as a sleeper. My problem with this game is the other side. (laughs) Northwestern is awful. (laughs) Awful, awful, awful. I I mean, Chris Collins, once upon a time, the the heir apparent to Coach K, he might be without a job after Mm. this season. He might be without a job halfway through the season. Mm. Who knows? Like, I don't know if the players are fully bought in on, on what Chris Collins is doing there. And I just don't see it with this Northwestern team this season. They lost one of their best players to the transfer portal. He's going to Indiana Miller cop. So I'm not, I'm not very keen in uh, on Northwestern. I'm not very optimistic about what they'll bring, but I like Mm. the wake enthusiasm from you. There we go. Okay. Another team that I want to be enthusiastic about is Duke. And I know everyone's like, I can't believe you're enthusiastic about Duke. But here's my thing. Duke going 13 and 11. I think this is the year where they come out swinging very heavy from start to finish because of Coach K's farewell tour. So I feel bad for Ohio State that they have to be, you know, the team that kind of sees them here in this instance. Even though they have to travel to Ohio State, I feel like Duke is ready to make a statement this year. Can I can I unleash a little conspiracy on you here? Please. So, you know, it's the Coach K farewell tour, right? Yes. That's why Duke's on the road. <laughs> Duke's on the road in, in January, like, or before January. Like, what are yeah. we doing here? Like, mm. like, of course they're going to, of course he's going to go on the road. He wants to get his little gifts and flowers and showers of praise and his little uh, thank you for your service, Coach K video at the Schottenstein <laughs> Center. Like, that's how this is going to go. That's the only reason why they're going on the road. They put in calls <laughs> to the offices. They know what's up. Listen, you're not you're not wrong. And Ohio State has some pretty sick, you know, graphic design videographer teams. So I've already known they do. They're gonna try and have like the fi- most fire thank you, Coach K situation. So that's a good, that's a very good point. And then the final game for what, two. Oh, sorry, go ahead. What, what do you think is the the percentage split of video teams that are like, all right, we gotta really pump this up and, and give give Coach K a, a kick-ass video versus F this? Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I think if they have any sort of former player with a connection to Duke 
any any sort of like person in front office or you know what have you they're gonna try and like go all out I think that's gonna be what it takes you know I I don't know I I feel like at the end of the day everyone wants to be that school that gets retweeted by Sports Center a hundred times over ESPN and so they're gonna Ooh, bring out all the fireworks counterpoint yeah. there okay yeah. okay yeah it's just it's all it's all about the engagement right it's all about the impression right blah 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 so I think everyone's gonna try and outdo the other but you very much like if. I think they should have gone to Maryland. I think that would have been a more interesting. Time. I agree. <laughs> I, I totally agree. You, you'll have Juan Dixon there. You'll right. get Steve Blake there. You'll yeah. who knows? Like Juan Dixon might want to fight someone at this. It wouldn't have been the welcome video that anybody thought it would be. They they would definitely have the dunk in there for my it would guy. Have been like what? Like you're retiring. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't oh, know. Okay. Right. They had the newspapers out. Like it would Are we supposed a- to give you like a piece of the floor or something? Right, right. It would have been a fun time. Maybe <laughs> next time. <laughs> but so much pressure on them to try and like I just again, I feel for the players. They have to try and like literally be perfect every single case. Do it for Coach K energy is just too overwhelming for me. Too much. But anywho, the last game I want to talk about for Tuesday, though, was Florida State because, again, Purdue is one of those sleepers. Like, they just somehow always seem to be, like, halfway decent. And so, to me, it's very telling about Hamilton and his guys and, you know, having – what's my guy who went to the – what was his name? Scotty Barnes, yes. Scotty deciding, Barnes. Deciding to go to the NBA draft. You know, there's a lot of – mystery about what FSU can be. I mean, it's still going to be deep. They're still going to be a quality team, but I think Purdue is going to be a nice test for them. I think this is the game of the entire challenge. Actually, mm. you've got a number of really good players that are remaining. I know they like Florida state lost Scotty Barnes, MJ Walker, also mm-hmm. Cobra Vicha, but you're still bringing back some really good players as well. And one of the things that we see at Florida state is that year after year, I don't see a a program develop guys like Florida state does. Yeah. Leonard Hamilton does a fantastic job of getting guys in their sophomore junior, and then ultimately into their senior seasons, the steps of development that they take from your freshman season to your senior season is astronomical. And on the other side, Purdue's bringing back its top eight scores. And I think the Boilermakers might be, the sleeper national championship contender because they've got experience. They've got fantastic skill. They've got a guy who might contend for player of the year. Actually make that two guys who could contend for player of the year in Jaden Ivy, one of their guards, and then Trevion Williams, one of their bigs who's returning to school. I really like this Purdue team and I can't find a Florida state team. I don't like in history. Mm. So that little matchup there, you've got two pretty good coaches going at it as well. I, I love this matchup. I think it's, it's the best of the challenge. I don't know where to lean on this one. I, mm. I guess I would lean Purdue because they're the home team in it. But mm. I mean, it's it, gonna be a good it, this one. is going to be this yeah. is going to be the best game of the challenge. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> there we go. He heard it from Tyler here first. Now, with the ever increasing number of makes and miles, it's now possible for your local chain auto parts stores to stock on all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind you in the counter orders the parts for you off their computer. Listen, save time and money when using Rock Auto. Choose just don't choose to spend any more than you need to. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer that they have everything you need, brake, 
brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all the auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So we're here today talking about the locked on ACC, the locked on. We're talking about the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Got a locked on locked on ACC action here because we're feeling like there's a strong showing from all of these ACC teams, but they will have some good challenges up against these Big Ten opponents. Now, Wednesday's matchups, and we already know Tyler feels how Tyler feels about FSU and Purdue, but there's some strong heavy hitters in this Wednesday matchup. We got Wisconsin at Georgia Tech, Louisville at Michigan State, Miami at Penn State, Michigan at North Carolina, Nebraska at NC State, Virginia Tech at Maryland. And Tyler, I already know that Nebraska at NC State was probably the number one circled on your list, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, whenever you get two <laughs> red schools together, I mean, nothing like it. Nothing like it. Um, Kevin Keats, Fred Hoiberg, two guys probably coaching for their job to Listen, some degree. Yeah. I mean, how about it? Yeah, right. Well, well, what does Boston College have to do to get a game around here? I mean, seriously. You know, but this is back to back years now, I believe, for them sitting out of yeah, the challenge. But it's maybe better for them in this scenario. Like, I think they're still trying to figure out their way. The fact that they had, like, during the whole COVID thing, they're getting guys from off the street come in and try and try out and play during the season. I just, they need to get their house in order before they try and take on, like, heavy hitters. That's just my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, <laughs> What's going on in, in in Chestnut Hills right now? Listen, they're trying. They have a good football new team. New coach, they, though. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to be the Notre Dame energy, where like they're really good at football. They're trying to get back to that, where you like you don't even care about the basketball side. Right. Academic standards. That's why we can't recruit for basketball. <laughs> That's exactly it. But the matchup I do think is most interesting. Obviously, Candace is going to pick this one, Michigan, North Carolina, because, you know, this gives you throwback energy, final four energy with Michigan. And now you got Juwan Howard being the coach in North Carolina, trying to figure out who they are as a team. And Michigan is not exactly any, you know, low jokers who are not going to come out and want to punch you in the mouth and going to Chapel Hill even better for them. They want to do nothing more than beat the heels but I'm feeling like Hubert's going to have a lot on his plate and it's going to be very telling a couple games in and getting the rhythm, like who he is as a coach. We're already going to know like, okay, what kind of season is this going to be? You know? And I think this Michigan game is going to be a very strong one. Battle of the alums here, right? I mean, Jawan Howard, Hubert Davis, you know, the challenge has some sting to it here. Obviously this matchup has some history, like you mentioned with the final four and, and the Chris Weber timeout and, Syracuse, Indiana, which we'll touch on in a little bit, but that's a, a very contentious history as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I think that this entire slate was done to near perfection. Mm-hmm. When you look at some of these matchups that are brought in, I mean, Duke, Ohio state is a great game. Michigan, Carolina, you know how I feel about Florida state, Purdue, Syracuse, Indiana, Virginia tech, Maryland. There's mm-hmm. so many intriguing matchups. Usually you get like, two or three, right? And yeah. then you get some some solid matchups and, and some some that'll produce good games. But like, I think about last year, Florida State, Indiana, a fantastic game, but doesn't really move the needle for the average college basketball fan. This year, I feel like there's five or six that the average college basketball fan is just going to be extremely intrigued by. And Michigan, Carolina, again, you've got 
a Michigan team who probably felt like it should have went to the final four last year was one of the best teams in the entire sport. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Carolina a team who probably felt like it underperformed last year, but now it's got the reset button. It's got a new coach. It's got a top tier recruiting class coming in. So I, I think this is going to be, again, it's in my probably top three of the matchups that you're going to see for this entire challenge. Yeah. And listen, if there was ever a time to play a drinking game for ACC Big Ten Challenge, this is it. To me, it's how many times are they going to say Coach K and leaving during the Ohio State game? How many times are they mm-hmm. going to talk about Chris Weber in the shot? They're going to probably ask Juwan Howard about any pregame, you know, interviews and we're going to have the post game. Like how did they feel to be in Chapel Hill? Blah, blah, blah. It's, this is going to happen here, right? Maryland. So here's what we do. Okay. <laughs> we drinking game for the over 21 crowd. And then we create a bingo board for the under 21 crowd. There we go. Boom. You're so inclusive. I love that, you know, and listen, <laughs> there are five first time big 10 ACC challenge contests this year, the Iowa, Virginia, Minnesota, Pitt, Miami, Penn state, Nebraska, NC state and Maryland, Virginia tech, which Maryland, Virginia tech also will be a good game in my opinion. And then you got the ACC champions here in Georgia tech. Don't sleep. They'll play Wisconsin. All right. And I think that Georgia tech is they have a great coach, right? He loves to wear, we all know he yep. loves to wear his little, you know, fan, what is it, guard? Face shields, right? The face so, shield, yeah. <laughs> Will I, Josh Pastner bring it back next year? That's what people are asking. Listen. I mean, if you win the ACC while wearing it, I feel like it's just got to be like a Rip Hamilton thing at this point, right? Where you just yeah. don't take it off, even though you're perfectly fine. <laughs> like, don't take it off. Yeah, 100%. You got to be dedicated to it. And I am very curious to see how, after everything that went on with College World Series, if because they, you know, we know that this is a revenue generating industry right now, are they going to make these players like get the vaccination because they don't want to have to deal with half the ACC Big Ten challenge happening and the other half not? Like, I'm curious to see how it goes this fall because we're clearly seeing, like, even in this summertime wave, that people are, you know, it is what it is. Like, I don't care what you do, whatever in you and your household decide, but we all know that, you know, there's a lot of hint, hint, wink, winks when it comes to coaches being like, all right, guys, you see what happened. At the College World Series, let's avoid that energy, right? So I, I'm I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I'm also wondering too, some because sometimes schools require vaccinations, mm-hmm. and yeah. are Not they sometimes. going to require yes this all the one? time, <laughs> all the time? Yeah, but, so like it's funny but, to me when people you know are like, there's oh, always can... ways to get around it too. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Are we going to see? Some, obviously, I think we'll see all the players come to school, but I don't know. Like, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I hope we don't have the same press conference issue like we have had, you know, recently with the guys from the NFL where it's like every other third question is, so are you going to get vaccinated or, you know, what's your stat? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, that's cool for a professional by the end of the day. Like to me, they're just kids. So like, let's just mind ours. Hey, you never, you never really know. But what I do know is that Bill Bar has nine delicious flavors. Listen, if you are looking for a delicious treat to keep you nice and toned this summer, I strongly encourage you to tap into Bilt Bar. They are incredible. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, all these delicious flavors, plus more. There's something for everyone. My favorite flavor particularly would be mint brownie. Gotta love a little mint action with a little sweetness. It's always to top it off. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories calories and only four grams of sugar order yours today if you go to billbar.com use promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15 
15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com, or you can even go to at bar underscore built. Check out all the latest updates, news that they can give you and provide you. And again, it's time to get right for the summer, so head to Built Bar. As we wrap up today's show, we know that at the end of the day, this challenge is always going to be a good time. It's 138 to 113 in terms of the ACC holding the advantage. But out of the 14 games, where do we see the ACC ending up? I, you know, a lot. There's a couple that are up in the air. I don't think any are definitive because at the end of the day, you've got some key losses and how these teams come together by November and early December. I'm sure they still have wouldn't won't have figured themselves out yet. So I want to know your thoughts, Tyler, in terms of like any ones that you're just like, yep, absolutely going to be ACC. And then, yep, absolutely going to be Big Ten. Okay, so the the games that I think are absolutely going to be ACC. If I had to pick a couple, mm-hmm. I look at Iowa, Virginia. I think that one's definitely going to go the way of of the Who's. Georgia Tech, Wisconsin. I think that one's also going to go Georgia Tech. Wisconsin mm-hmm. is in a complete free fall right now. They're losing pretty much everyone from last year. But when you have that all that turmoil right now with the head coaching situation and secret meetings being recorded and, and released to the media, mm-hmm. that feels like a... A, a team that's in dysfunction right now. I don't know how much they like Greg Gard. So mm-hmm. especially these early season games where, where you're just trying to iron some things out. I, I think that Wisconsin, you can probably chalk that one up to, to an L there. Um, a couple others that, that I really like here, um, NC state I, and uh, Pitt, I feel like are both pretty safe guesses that that'll mm-hmm. uh, at least pretty safe way too early guesses that will definitely lean ACC. And then a couple of big 10 ones that, that I think are, are pretty safe as well. I always liked Penn state last year mm-hmm. and I, I believe they have a lot returning from last year's team. So Penn state's one that, that I'll lean with um, in, in terms of, uh, I would also probably go Illinois too. Uh, I feel pretty safe about taking them because you're going to know what you have in Illinois. I think in the first five or so games of the season. So Mm -hmm. I think you'll know pretty early on there. And then that's about it. I mean, I I think this is going to be one that goes the way of the the ACC. Last year, you felt really Mm -hmm. good in picking the Big Ten Mm -hmm. to to take the whole thing. But this year, I I really do think we're going to see a bit of a flip. One of the – I look at it, there's a couple pivotal games here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Duke and Ohio State, Michigan and Carolina – and then Virginia Tech and Maryland. And, you know, I'll throw Indiana Syracuse in there as well. Those four, I think, are really going to determine the winner of the challenge because Hmm. I feel like, and again, those are some of the best matchups that we have in this challenge. And the reason why is you got to show that the top of your conference is better than the top of the other conference. True. And and if, if the ACC can't get it done against the Ohio States and the Michigans and and the Purdue's and Maryland's and Indiana's, well, then you're probably not going to win the challenge. 
So, <laughs> or at least it's not going to feel like you won the challenge, oh, even yeah. if you did win the challenge. Absolutely. And there, there you have it. I feel like there's not much more to add there. And I definitely want to have time to touch on some other basketball news going on because I have my expert here. And so we know Syracuse women's basketball is going through some things. Okay. They have a lot of transfers. They have a lot of people leaving. It's all a lot of craziness due to some misconduct, alleged misconduct from their head basketball coach. It's coach Williams, right? Is it Quentin Williams? Coach uh, Quentin Hillsman. Quentin Hillsman. There you go. I got William and Hillsman. See, those L's mess me up. But Hillsman is an interesting character to say the least. And he has led the team to some greatness in the past few years. But lately, it just seems like nobody see nobody is happy. And so I would curious to hear, you know, your thoughts, any internal murmurings that have been going around and just like, what do you think is to come from all of this? Well, I want to start with this. Mm-hmm. So when when I was a student at Syracuse, Coach Q would always do a pregame interview with our radio station. And okay. he would he'd go do the, the one with the flagship. And then he would literally run across the court because we're on the other side of the court, run across the court to do our interview. And I was like, you know what? This is awesome. Because usually coaches don't like doing media, right? right like We right. know how this goes. But I always kind of interpret it as this is Coach Q trying to build up his program, trying to, to build the, the brand and the game of women's basketball. Get more exposure out there, right? So that's the way I always interpreted it. But after reading this and hearing some of the comments where he's pounding his chest in the locker room and telling his players, I'm a star. I'm a star. I don't give a bleep about any of you. I'm a star. It, it got me thinking, like, did he want women's basketball to get more exposure or does he just like the sound of his own voice? Mm. Because it, it's one of those things where if you had asked me and, and I had this conversation with Tim as well on our show, if you had asked me, is coach Q a player's coach? And if you pull, if you pulled the, the student population, you would get, I think a near 100%. Yes. Like he is that charismatic. People loved him. And you just thought, okay, players coach, but now you're starting to see the, the underbelly of the beast here. And it's almost Napoleon complex ish where he's faking credentials in his bio and he's tweeting out all these different graphics and stuff about how successful he is. And I always had this joke like, Oh, it feels like he's always tweeting for his job because Mm -hmm. the way that he's trying to pump his own tires on social media. And it's just, no, maybe he's just so egotistical that that's the guy who he is. And maybe we should have seen that from a lot earlier on. I am just, you know, I feel like it's always, we always assume one thing and then it's unfortunate when people just turn out to be something completely different, right? Cause your story, you're feeling like he wants to grow the game and then it comes out. He just like sounds his own voice. Or maybe he just has this ego where he's like, anytime I can get some shine, let me go for it. I think ultimately what's most disappointing though, right. Is the, the young ladies who probably go there thinking it's going to be one thing and completely, you know, being another and having to decide for themselves, whether you stick it out, like, you know, you start to call into question, we We've had all these transfer portal talks and people being like, oh, well, the kids just hate it. And, you know, they're just not tough enough. They can't handle tough love. But I'm like, right. well, maybe it's a toxic environment and they should walk. They should run away. Right. This coach shouldn't be here. So it's it's very unique, especially now that all things are coming out. And I do appreciate that they're they do feel comfortable sharing these situations and scenarios. So, you know, it can deter some young ladies from Trump probably choosing, but I mean, it sucks because in the, the day Syracuse is a great school. And of course you want to play for some or for a university like that. And don't get me wrong. He flipped this basketball program around. I mean, this team 
was never going to NCAA tournaments. And then all of a sudden they go to a national championship game. And on top of that, he, he had continued to, to win. And that's something Syracuse hadn't seen, but there's so many more elements to this story too. Like when you've got this culture of bullying, right? Mm -hmm. That obviously cannot go on, but it's not like there isn't, I don't want to say there's tough coaching at other programs, right? Like Dawn Staley at South Carolina, tough coach, Pat Summit, when she was at Tennessee, tough coach, but guess what? There was another side to those coaches that, that there, that warranted respect. It was the off the court stuff. And that's where you earn the respect of your players is usually off the floor. Winning's great, but if you're, if you're a jerk off the floor, no one cares how many games you've won. Right. Yeah. So there's that. And then how about the fact that he brought on to his staff someone with a history of sexual harassment and put them into a, essentially a phantom role. The guy literally ran the clock during practice mm-hmm. and you're going to bring that onto your staff. So listen, obviously that's on coach Q. But that's also on John Wildhack, the athletic director. Are we not vetting these guys a little mm. bit more toughly right, tougher right. because you, you can't have that. You cannot have that. A guy with a history of sexual harassment that cannot be brought onto your staff. It's a bad look for Q and it might be even worse for John Wildhack. I don't know if coach Q coaches another game at Syracuse because Mm -hmm. if what in this, what's in this article is true, Mm -hmm. he cannot coach another game at Syracuse. He simply can't. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important to let it all come out. And at in the day, you know, I even saw some people defending, you know, Tiana was defending her coach, which like I get. And I always say, well, I have a thought on that as well because it was her <laughs> yeah. and it was Alexis Peterson. And there were like one or two other players, I think that have come out and supported mm-hmm. Q, but you got to remember those are the stars of the team. Yeah. Stars get treated differently than the other 11, 12 players on the roster. Oh, and maybe they didn't see it or experience it because they were getting different treatment from it yeah. the yeah. entire time. And I'm wondering if that's why they are maybe a little naive or oblivious to what was happening because of the fact that they, they weren't treated that way because Q says I'm a star, but he also knows he has to protect the actual stars on his team too. So that relationship maybe is a little bit different than players two through 13 on the roster. For sure. And I think as just a woman in this industry and a woman in the game, I've, you know, pro tip for all of the ladies who are like, well, he never did that to me. Like, yeah, but that don't, you know, discredit someone else's experience just because you didn't personally go through it. Like, you know, they say predators don't go after everybody. Some of them literally harass people that they have a certain, you know, keen to. So it's just like, just honor people's, you know, statements for what they are. So I think that's just a, that's one of those growth lessons that they're going to have to go through. But ultimately, you know, I do agree. I think if, everything comes out and it's crazy, like absolutely let him go because we can't, you can't have that in the sport. You just can't have that, you know, at your university. And again, like you said, you got to look at the AD, like what, what we got going on here. <laughs> you know, we got to take a look. Right. And there's some things, you know, Syracuse in general, you know, coach Bayheim, not for nothing. He has, you know, his own demons and things that he's got to work through. So I just, I just think it's all around. Let's just get the bad press away from Syracuse at the moment. And it's been a tough year PR wise for Syracuse university between that chase Scanlon, Mm -hmm. it has not been great, but I gotta say, I mean, I I was talking with my co-host on locked on ACC, Tim Leonard. I think this is the darkest day for the university since Mm. Bernie fine. And Mm. all that came out from, from that fallout. So listen, there have been some bad moments, but I, I don't think this 
where it's a, a re- repetitive cycle of toxicity, abuse, um, allowing sexual predators on, onto your staff. Like that is far worse than an isolated incident with domestic violence. And listen, I'm not sugarcoating what that was, but mm-hmm. I think when it, you've got a cycle uh, of this, I think that's worse than that. I think it, it's worse than, than whatever happened with Bayheim warranting sanctions and, mm-hmm. and um, the scholarship restrictions and all that from some, some like phantom jobs and, and stuff like that. It, it, to me, this is bad, really bad to the point where I don't think coach Q survives it. And guess what? John Wildhack. I mean, he might not survive it as well. It, this is that bad and should not be taken lightly by the university. Mm, that's that's a lot. Well, if you guys want to hear more of this exclusive coverage, you know, Tyler's and his host co-hosts have you covered. Tyler, can you remind folks of where they can find y'all and follow your work? Yeah, you can check us out on Locked on Syracuse and we're on Twitter at LO underscore at LO underscore Syracuse. You can find us every single weekday there and myself at Tyler, AKI underscore no doubt. And if you want to hear more news of all the major sports, you got to check out Peter Bukowski's Locked On Today podcast. It's available on the Odyssey app with the help of our local experts. He's got you covered. Thanks so much, guys, for your time. And we really appreciate you coming back. We look forward to another Freestyle Friday show where we've got a lot of things down the pipe to talk about more of some NCAA action, NIL news. And then, you know, listen, we got to round out the day. There's something crazy going to happen to the ACC. So we'll got you all covered there. So we hope you guys have a great rest of your day for Candace Cooper and Tyler Aki. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.